the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood back for another week. And one of our first weeks of the show, we're not previewing a Ravens game. And that's where we have to start. It's RDT Banks and myself, Taylor Smythe. And guys, no Ravens game this weekend. We wish the boys were in the conference championships. That is not Banks. I'll start with you. Just how are you feeling? Um, you were live on Twitter for like three hours in the middle of the night <laughs> and so there were people, there was chatter. People were concerned about you. How are you feeling now? Update the listeners. I I'm okay. Um, it's not like last year where I posted a video every day and I was miserable beyond belief. Um, last year was just complete and utter shock. Uh, Saturday night was kind of, you know, with Lamar getting hurt and having the whole fourth quarter to really digest it. Um, it was easily foreseeable that we were we could have lost that game in Buffalo. I thought it was about a coin flip game going into it. And um, when we made the, the crucial error in the red zone there, that cost us the game pretty much. You knew that was the play that was going to be the difference. It, it seemed like uh, it was over right then and there. And so it's been a little bit easier to swallow. Um, not to say that it has been easy, but, um, you know, I'm bummed out for sure. I think everybody's bummed out. I think a lot of people are really fired up about, you know, not living up to what the expectations were before the season. And I understand that quite a bit, but, um, you know, I think that given where the team was in the middle of the season, given the the road that they took to get there, um, you know, there's, there are some things to hang your hat on and there's certainly things to circle and, and attack as rooms for room for improvement. Um, in the off season. So um, in terms of how I'm feeling though, like, you know, sucks. I'm bummed out. Now I, I have a question and I get, I'll kind of pose this and this is almost like a manifesto to, to the Ravens fans. Obviously I'm not including myself in this too, but to you two and the listeners. And so I, I wrote, I wrote this, I think sun, Saturday night or Sunday night, whichever night I said, overall, is this season a disappointment for Ravens fans? He came into the season with Super Bowl dreams, and I don't like. I don't think it would have been crazy to again at the beginning of the season to say that the Ravens could make it to the Super Bowl. They were, I mean, they were arguably second best team in the AFC, on, you know, on paper. Wheels came off the Ronnie Stanley injury, COVID, Nick Boyle, schedule changes, backs were against the wall. Um, they had a great rallying call to get into the playoffs. I guess my question is, I I didn't think fans would be happy with anything less than an AFC championship game at the beginning of the season. Obviously that changed throughout the season when all those obstacles came up, but I mean, they were 15 minutes away from an AFC championship. So like, was, is this season to you guys a disappointment? I would say it's a disappointment. Um, I did try to, I guess, paint a little rosier of a picture there. Uh, just a couple minutes ago, but it is a disappointment. I, I mean, even after the chiefs loss, I think I said this the other night too, that um, I said, I wasn't going to move the the goalposts on what I expect from that football team in 2020. And they, they came up short of the expectations. And um, you know, we said it the other night too, in the instant analysis, so, you know, a lot of it was self-inflicted and some of it wasn't self-inflicted, but either way uh, you came into the season especially a season after coming up short um, with a, with a talented team that should have achieved more. I think in everybody's eyes um, it's hard to look at the season as a whole um, when you step back from things and not call it a disappointment. Yeah, I would agree. I think overall when you have a super bowl or bust type of mentality um, 
it has to be considered a disappointment. I think we talked about it on the incident analysis show a bit that there were individual pieces of progress and an overall resilience that was inspiring for lack of a better term and, um, and and makes you feel pride as a fan, which doesn't fulfill the ultimate expectations that weren't reached. So those things were nice to have. And I always remember the run to the playoffs and the first Lamar playoff win um, and certain things like JK Dobbins emerging. There are individual things within the season that were nice to see. Uh, obviously, them overcoming um, really the self-inflicted, you could say, COVID wounds, considering what was what was clearly happening. They couldn't keep that under control as some other franchises did. But uh, yeah, it's a disappointment. It has to be considered disappointment when you don't, even as you said, get yourself a chance to have sixty minutes to get to the Super Bowl. If you get to the Super Bowl and you lose the Super Bowl, it's hard to be disappointed with any season. I mean, you've gotten to the point where you have a shot to win the whole thing, to not even have a chance to get. That not even get a shot to get a shot to win the whole thing for this team, considering what happened last year, considering the talent that was came back, considering the talent that was added to fulfill the holes that ultimately helped the Ravens win the game. But like the Ravens brought in Clayus Campbell and Derek Wolf to win the game. They won in on wildcard weekend and they want, they accomplished that feat, but to not move it any farther than that, I think you'd have to consider disappointment to answer that question. Yeah, I think uh, the lack of progress is what has a lot of people worked up, a lot of people frustrated right now. And um, I I feel that I am frustrated. I wish the results were different. I don't know that the process was a broken one, per se. And I think that that is a point of contention among a lot of people in the Ravens fan base right now. Um, and we could well, probably okay. get, get deep into this uh, for sure. So um you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I don't know how deep we want to get into that now or how we want to segment. Um, we're kind of just going off the cuff here just in terms of how we want to organize our thoughts here because we, we, we do, I think when we get on here and we podcast, we, we like to at times just kind of riff and just let the thoughts flow and have it be very raw and very sometimes very emotional or whatever it might be. And this is one of those occasions. Um, so so I, th- I think the one thing that comes to mind thinking what you just said, like you can be like, are you going to be pro? I mean, this is, this comes into a lot of fast life. Are you process based or results based? So on a pure results basis, this is clearly a disappointment, right? I do think there's also a process disappointment to where you felt like you did the things in your overall process to improve the team, but you didn't actually get a better result that you already had. The Ravens, while they won a playoff game this year, they lost in the same round two consecutive years. Mm -hmm. So nothing got any better year to year. You know, they they didn't get any farther than the playoff win is nice and it was great. And Ravens fans will remember it very fondly. And it's a breakthrough for Lamar Jackson. But then the next week, all the Lamar Jackson questions come back in a very similar fashion than they did. And he was wor- way worse in the Bills game, I thought, than he was in the Titans game last year where he, you know, ran for over 100, threw for 300, 500 yards offense. He was yeah. incredible. It, in some of that game, he made a great third high. Like, there was stuff he did very well in that game. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 very interesting. And, and the, the fan reaction over the past few days um, has been fascinating. And, and you touched on it a little bit there related to what changes the Ravens should make. And I think there's a lot of places to go in that discussion. And I think we have to start the discussion with what's been the most topical. And that's been 
the improvement to the passing offense vis-a-vis what do you do with Greg Roman and do you keep him? Now, we talked about, so we will sort of do a state of the Ravens here as John Harbaugh did in his last media availability today. He was very, very, you know, pointed in saying he thinks Wink Martindale and Greg Roman will be back. And that means they're coming back unless they decide to go get other jobs. Those guys are not getting let go by choice based on what John Harbaugh said, which is fair based on, I think, the results they've brought. That has brought some consternation to the fan base regarding Greg Roman, which I think is the place to start in this discussion. Yeah, so I guess I should get going on this Greg Roman thing because this has been um, a hot topic, to say the least. One that I have gone to war a little bit with people on Twitter about. Um, People want his head, and they're crazy to say that. I mean, if you look at this offense as they performed over the last two years, they've scored more points than any team in the NFL. 999 points in the last two seasons. I understand that there's this whole divide about the regular season results and the playoff results. I think there's a bigger conversation to be had there about what narratives people buy into when it comes to playoff football. I think that there's this gigantic narrative that um, that playoff football is a completely different sport than regular season football. And I don't know that that's completely true. And it's, it's, it's hard for me to defend something like that when the results have been so starkly different between the regular season Ravens and the postseason Ravens. But really, if you break it down, if you think about it, what is different? The, the opponents are better. Uh, The weather is, is oftentimes maybe a bit more uh, challenging, I guess. And there's more pressure added beyond that. What is truly the difference? The football is the same size. The goalposts are the same size. It's 58 and two thirds yards by 120 yard football field. It's the same sport. I think that people like people are frustrated that it's three years now that the offense has stalled in the playoffs. And I think a lot of people are forgetting that the first year was, half of a playbook for the offense. And it was Marty Morningweg's offense with Greg Roman's fingerprints on it when Lamar came in. So really it's been Greg Roman in two playoffs um, that, you know, his offense has, has in many people's eyes and and in my eyes has come up short in the playoffs. But um, you look at the two losses, we've talked about the Titans loss last year, a billion times, just like perfect storm of things that just went awry, big mistakes, whatever. The thing that frustrates me most about this Bills loss in terms of how people are are, um, looking at it and how they're perceiving it, Greg Roman took that Ravens offense on the the first seven drives when Lamar Jackson was at quarterback. He put the offense in position to score on four of those drives, four out of seven of the drives. We had two missed field goals by Justin Tucker. We had the field goal that was made, and then Lamar threw the pick. And the pick was Lamar's fault and pretty much Lamar's fault alone. You can look at the previous play where the offensive line broke down, where Hollywood Brown was pretty much wide open on a crossing route where it should have been a touchdown. Um, but regardless, that was a drive that, that no points came on, uh, went onto the board and Lamar made the, you know, through the pick six and it cost us the game pretty much. That has nothing to do with Greg Roman. So we're talking about more than 50% of the drives in the given game. And I've talked about this on other podcasts at times. 
there have been maybe a dozen teams in NFL history that have scored on more drives than they haven't. I can't drill that fact home enough. He was putting the offensive position four out of seven times in that game. That's pretty good. Failing to finish in the red zone, that's something to look at. That is a failure in itself. Um, We can argue that, um, you know, or not even argue. I think we can all agree on that, that that's a failure. But um, it's, 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 people are just not really looking at the big picture um, about what Greg Roman has performed and what he's done well. I think everybody is looking at, well, first of all, here's, here's this whole other thing. Kurt Warner put this video out, not this week, last week, after, after Lamar Jackson won the game in Tennessee, there were some plays in that game where the passing routes were questionable. The interception with Miles Boykin. I think everybody has seen that Kurt Warner video because everybody has sent it to me. Um, and there are some salient points for sure made. The guy is a Super Bowl and regular season MVP. Kurt Warner's Hall of Famer. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. But it doesn't at all show the plays that the uh, the plays that were productive in that game, plays that have been productive for two years in the Ravens offense. To just look at that video and take that as gospel and to just say that this guy should be fired is ludicrous. He like there's nobody better suited for what the Ravens do offensively with the personnel personnel that they have. Lamar Jackson, running quarterback with his skill set. There is no better offensive coordinator on the planet than Greg Roman. There's just not. And to just ignore all the success that they've had on the ground is completely ignorant. And so, yeah, we can look at the passing game and know that we need improvements. We need better personnel. We need better scheme. Those are things to improve on. Those are things to talk about. But to call for the guy's job is crazy to me. I'm going on like on and on about this. So like one of you guys chime in here because I'm, 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 a, little, I'm a little worked up. I'm a little worked well, up. Well, like we had said, I mean, say the Ravens did grant the Twitter trolls wishes and let Greg Roman go. He's getting another job before that phone is hung up. I, and, and again, it's yeah. like, okay, you can say you want – and again, like we talked about this off off air, but you can say you want Harbaugh fired like they did a couple of years ago, and like JLC reported, it's not a big deal, but he did. Um, you can say that you know you want him fired, and same thing with Roman. Who's who's the backup plan? Who who do you want then? Yeah, for and sure. If you and if you can come back and say, well, I think Doug Peterson would be good, or I think this guy, and it's like, okay, well, at least you have something to back that up. But I most of these people are just like we said, they they want to fire Roman because. They, they want something to complain about. And, and Banks, you put it perfectly. People have been shitting on Lamar for two and a half years now. And the one time he does make a play where it is his fault, it, yeah. it, all the hate's going to Roman. Yeah, everybody knows Lamar's my guy, but he made the mistake there. He, he fucked up. He tried to force a throw. He deserves the, the criticism really for the first time, it seems like, in my eyes, like he, that he deserves heavy, heavy criticism for, for – when you know that's that's a whole narrative in itself but but i didn't hear anybody complaining about the passing game in 2019 when lamar was winning an mvp and everybody they're like one of the statistics that these people love to use as a crutch is that they were last in the league in passing because they use accounting stat of passing yards as um as gospel and it's it's stupid it's it's it doesn't it has nothing to do with your your effectiveness in the pass game the reason why they're last is because they've run the ball so damn well that like, why would you pass a shit ton and try to rack up yards that way when you can just 
have your way with it on the ground. So if you're looking at the numbers, you want to be really, you know, really look at, at, at the passing effectiveness. The Ravens were 11th in the league in, in yards per attempt last season. This year, they were 21st. That's not great. I'm not saying that Greg Roman and the passing game has been good even. I mean, this, especially this past season. I'm not at all saying that they've been good. But for all the things, the entire picture of what the offense does, what they're trying to accomplish, and with and most importantly, with the personnel that they currently have, Greg Roman is the best guy for that. And then the, the bigger conversation from there is, okay, what do we do about the personnel? Because the offensive line was a big problem on Saturday night. Ronnie Stanley not being a part of the offense there is, is clearly a factor within that. But we need to improve on the, the interior offensive line, the center position with the snaps. Um, oh, and by the way, like of the, the, the three of the seven uh, drives that, that fell short the other night that I mentioned, uh, one of them, J.K. Dobbins, just flat out dropped a first down. And we had to punt on that. That's not Greg Roman. Like, so he's just, I've never seen a coach get scapegoated so unnecessarily the way that Greg Roman has uh, the last three days. And so I didn't even think that like, I'd have to come into something like, like this, this week and defend Greg Roman. Cause I, you know, I, I have my, my frustrations with, with the offense for sure. And the offense is, is, that was the difference between winning and losing that game. But it just take a step back and look at the big picture people. It, it's interesting too, because the, the entire narrative around the playoff loss last year was that Greg Roman went away from the, the offense that had worked so well all year. He, he got out of the comfort zone. He, he panicked. And then this year in a, in a game where the Ravens weren't down as, as much. So you could stay to your concepts, Greg Roman in both games and was down against Tennessee stuck with, the game plan the entire time and is now getting scapegoated for really things that, that were, were personnel decisions. I mean, you talk about Dobbins, he had a couple drops. You have Lamar who made bad decisions. I mean, and RDT, that's a really interesting point you make that, you know, we have this tendency to, to, you know, I think as Ravens fans defend, defend, defend Lamar Jackson nationally, there is a tendency to maybe more attack, attack, attack Lamar Jackson, Clearly, Lamar Jackson makes a throw that I think 100% of people that watched that game realized was on him. And now it's like, well, the passing, the passing rhythm hasn't been good enough all year. So what, So Greg Roman should be let go so Lamar Jackson can learn how to pass. The other thing that, that has to be talked about, because I think you guys made the points about Greg Roman, the guy should stay. If you're looking, at, if you're looking back to talk about process – if you're going to be top of the league in offense every year, you don't just go away from that because you lost two playoff games. You don't have to panic. There is something to four and five years, six year continuity. You don't lose coaches and players that win you a lot of games in the regular season over two years or over three years, just because you lost playoff games. And, I, and that sounds backwards because I understand you want to get to the playoffs and win playoff games, but you also got to get there. Like you also got to get there and allow that stuff to happen. And, and to panic at this point, I think about someone like Andy Reed, who as you know, before he won the Super Bowl with, with Kansas city was in the playoffs, you know, six out of seven years or five out of six years. They hosted three straight NFC championship games, I think. And they lost yeah, them all. That's, that was with all... the Eagle. That's yeah, with the Eagles. I'm the e- now with the Chiefs. Oh, like, okay. you don't, yeah, you don't lose, but you don't lose those guys because every, and this was the same thing we talked about Harbaugh, every bad franchise 
wants those guys. Like there's just only yeah. so many people that are consistently good. So that's enough about the coaches. The personnel is a big, is an issue. That's the bigger the Ravens conversation. Offense, and is the bigger conversation. And I think it brings us to the overall um, thoughts and, and uh, how the Ravens are going to approach free agency here. The Ravens have made some very minor moves since the end of the season, you know, obviously RG three is a guy that's a big name. He's gone. You wouldn't think he'll be back. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Mark Ingram is the big, is the big cut. I think everyone saw that coming after um, how they used. I think if you're the Baltimore Ravens with the way they run this offense, you should never be giving that much money to really any money to running backs as you just churn through them. Um, and we'll talk about whether they should resign Gus Edwards and what money they could get. But really, let's start with this passing game. And that, you know, brings in the offensive line and who's on the outside. And quite frankly, who's at tight end. The Ravens obviously will return pretty much all of these guys. Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, Miles Boykin. We'll see about Des Bryant. I, I can't imagine he's back, but we will how about see. Him, how about him posting those practice that practice film was weird that that, that seemed yeah. to me like it's weird get, but not surprising i'll say that but that seems like something that harbaugh would be like hey that's some I'm, old thomas shit <laughs> well, yeah it's, yeah it's <laughs> like hey um we don't do that here so yeah well hey, he may be already but, have, he may have already had the old uh end of the year meeting where it's like <laughs> we'll see uh great raven that's bryant uh Never so forget. they will they will get nick boyle back um, but the, the, the question is wide receiver. What do the Ravens do to address the wide receiver position? And I think the popular talk right now is, you know, going out and signing a free agent like an Allen Robinson, like a Kenny Galladay that can be opposite of a guy like Hollywood Brown and bring a little bit more of a bigger, you know, high point the football catch radius Anquan Bolden kind of comes to mind as like an archetype for, for who they would, would want to have so someone that's a little bit more physical and can, you know, give Lamar Jackson a true, true number one receiver. I mean, you, the great example is what Stefan Diggs did for Josh Allen and Josh Allen has obviously improved a ton, but they brought in Stefan Diggs and unleashed a guy with a talent to be number one wide receiver. And that made their offense so much better. So, the Ravens don't have like big, big money to spend, but do they spend their money on a number one wide receiver? I think that's like the first, the first question that we head into the off season. Um, I guess the, the other names here besides those guys, Will Fuller V my guy. Uh, we talked about that a little bit uh, the other day. I can't even remember at that point, if that was on air off there, it was like one 30 in the morning. I think it was off there. I love Will Fuller V. Um <laughs> And T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, Marvin Jones, your guy, Corey Davis. Um, is Chris uh, Godwin per- I think he'd be perfect. Uh, and Chris Godwin is the other big one. Yeah. That feels like Chris Godwin feels like he's going to be out of the Ravens price range. Um, well, I think most of the names that you got, just but are, are the other ones are at the range. top. The other ones are at the top are going to be at the top end of the price range. Um and like their cap situation, didn't Brian McFarland? I know on Twitter, who's like the cap god, cap, cap god, yeah, it's unbelievable. But didn't he say something that they'd only had like ten million in cap space or something? There's a bajillion different factors that go into all that, and I'm not yeah, going to pretend but, that I know twenty five percent of it, but yeah. I have the general gist of it. And there's, they're not going to be super tight, but they're also not going to be you know super flush with cash to throw at some guys and. 
and this is where I, I went on the radio last night and I, I think I threw some, you know, I, I threw a little bit of water on the idea of Allen Robinson. Cause Allen Robinson is like the heartthrob right now of, of, of people. Ravens yeah. Like people love him, dude. He's really good. I mean, if the numbers he put up in Chicago with 102 receptions this year in Chicago, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. He's when he's healthy, he's freaking good. But, um, and he, he fits the profile. And I thought it was really interesting that more probably like explicitly than I've ever seen John Harbaugh specifically name drop Anquan Bolden and said, big possession receiver. Like that's a guy that we would love to go get. So we got to go back to the drawing board and see, you know, where the pieces fit in terms of numbers and all that and see what we could potentially put together. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen John Harbaugh just be so straightforward about something like that. He was very candid in today's interview. Um, which I loved. Um, but yeah, I think we would all love Allen Robinson, but you know, if you look at the, the, the franchise's philosophy over the years, they're not big on throwing money at free agents. Um, and, and maybe this is an opportunity to kind of buck the trend here. Cause, cause the window is wide open and depending on how you play the salary cap, you can extend that window or you can make it a, a wide open window for a lot of years. But, um, and that's really the key question here is can they throw as much as a, like a 20 million at Allen Robinson or somebody like that? I don't know that that's a prudent decision. So um, I, we're going to talk about that, I guess, probably a lot over the off season as, as, as the draft approaches and all those things. I, I think I'm not sure if I'm getting the stat right, but I heard on the radio today, do you know what the Ravens' biggest contract is given to a wide receiver? No. I think it's the – no, uh, I don't know, Steve. It, I don't know if it was yearly or, like, altogether. They said it was $8 million given to Michael Crabtree. Because, again, I don't – might remember, be right. Would they, would they pay Steve Smith Sr.? And that, that was the only one that jumped to mind. Like, I don't remember I Derek Mason like either. three for 15 or something. Or Derek Mason was a free agency signing. Yeah, he was, he was, was a free agent. Because they signed him and Samari Roll the same offseason, correct? And McNair. <laughs> Eric McNair. <laughs> Eric McNair. Yeah, it's not a lot. I mean, they as you said, they, they, they have never really shown the let's give a big – contract to a skill position offensive it's just player not how they want to from another team their assets it's yeah and and you can't necessarily blame them with the money that's going to get thrown at some of these guys the the um the counter to that is what you said is you have this window the lamar jackson extension is looming and that's the other thing that comes into this discussion is do and harbaugh talked about that today he said it's coming whether it comes in this offseason or it comes in next offseason so that comes into how Eric DaCosta and those guys want to deal with the cap. And as you said, we're not capologists. Anyone who claims to have a deep, deep understanding of the cap that you like have to really get into to be a professional, but for whatever it's worth, the Ravens estimated cap space right now um, is 19.6 million. But like we said, there's so much that's going to go into that over the next, you know, weeks and months that I don't even think it's worth being like, here's the amount of cap space they have. Here's who they can fit in under the cap. Right. If the Ravens feel like they want to go out and get Allen Robinson and pay the money, they're going to have to finagle the cap mm-hmm. to get that done. But they're going to, I mean, these top end guys, as we said, um, you know, you look at a guy, I'm just looking at sort of their project, predicted average annual values as we, we go through 
uh, MLB free agency, which is a lot of average annual value talk. You know, Godwin is is a, like a five year, one hundred and ten million. I I would be just stunned if the Ravens pay that to a wide receiver. Robinson has a four years eighty out there. That would be stunning, kind of stunning too. Galladay is a four years eighty five million. Ooh. It just doesn't feel. It feels like there are going to be other teams that want to give these guys bigger money. And I, it doesn't feel like it would be against what we've seen Eric DaCosta do to go out and do it that way with one of these top four or five wide receivers. Now, maybe he changes philosophy, as we said, because he, he thinks I'm this one piece away from winning. And if you're one piece away from winning, to me, you go get the piece. Yeah. But I don't know if they feel like that's how they want to yeah. allocate the resources. And that's that's really what they have to make the decision on. I, I think that- it's. Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, would that feel like a panic move? Say they did go out and give five for 85 to Godwin or four for, for 90 or whatever to, to, to Allen Robinson. Would that feel like a panic move? Because, again, it goes so far beyond what the Ravens have ever done at that position. Or is that, Taylor, like you were saying, they, they see – they found the puzzle piece that they think fits. They're going to put it in to try and finish that puzzle. I, I don't see it as a panic move. I just see it as being aggressive and seeing, hey, here's an issue and here's how we're going to address it. Because, you know, there are multiple ways to address this thing. And um, one thing I do want to make clear is that, as I said, organizational philosophy, they don't tend to do this. They don't tend to throw money at skill position players. I want people to have, I want people to understand what good franchises in this league habitually do and what the bad ones do and look at look at some of the consistencies there the ravens the patriots the packers the steelers the steelers when do you see them throw money at skill position players hardly ever and or not or throw money at big time free agents anywhere rather than extending guys that are homegrown. Right. That's the or other thing. Yeah. Too. Or at any any position at all. Like they they tend to draft well and depend on that. And keep then they turn and churn and they just keep reloading and reloading. So I want to temper everybody's expectations when they're up in arms when we don't go out and sign one of these guys and understand, hey. These are the things that keep us in contention year after year instead of like popping up and having like one or two years every five years where we're kind of like have a shot and maybe make it a run at something. The reason why the Ravens and the Patriots and the Packers and, and the Steelers are so consistently good for, for two, two and a half decades now is because they are disciplined in free agency. They don't throw money at a lot of free agents. They pick their spots, they pick them well, and they depend on the draft. So that's my message to everybody in terms of like going Gaga over Allen Robinson. I would love to have Allen Robinson love to have, him, but just want to temper and, and have everybody have reasonable expectations when it comes to free agency. You even look at this bills team and, and they didn't go sign Stefan Diggs. They traded him. He already had the con the contract was already signed by the Vikings. They went out and got him that way. Maybe the criticism you could give to the Ravens is while guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs were getting thrown out in trades, should the Ravens have made a move? Now, the Ravens would have, the Bills gave up a first, a fifth, and a sixth. And I don't think anyone could have ever thought this Stefan Diggs trade was going to go this well, to be totally honest. For both teams. Um, 
for both teams, uh, quite frankly, because Justin Jefferson looks like he's going to be essentially just a ready-made replacement for Diggs after the season he had. And that's the other factor with this. Do the Ravens draft a receiver, which has been, you know, really the thorn in the side of the franchise among the, the top echelon of those thorns is their inability to pick receivers and develop them um, in, in really any fashion at all. Um, and to the fact that Hollywood Brown is one of the bigger success stories speaks to the lack of success because he's really not at this point, a full fledged success story at all, but he's been decently productive in two NFL seasons. So, you know, the Ravens also have other needs and that, 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 and do, and the money, you know, could be spent on a pass rusher. You have Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Judon now coming up to free agency. Do the Ravens feel like they saw enough of either of those guys to get them? Judon, as you've said repeatedly, Banks, feels like that would have gotten locked up a long time ago had they wanted to lock it up. Yep. He feels like he's gone, and based on what he said at the presser, thanking the franchise, which is a very nice thing for him to do, he feels like he's gone. Yannick Ngakwe, they essentially took as a rental to try to put them over the top. That was really the move to try to put the defense back over the top. His production average to minimal mm. at best um, and never really seemed to get off the ground, you know, hampered by injuries, the, you know, and he's a local guy. He's still very young. Yannick Ngakwe, I think is still 25. Um, so like he, he, he turns 20, for... he turns 26 in, at the end of March. Forever. So he's young. So, but the question is what did Eric DaCosta, what did Wink Martindale and John Harbaugh see from Yannick Ngakwe, a guy that, really before his eight game stretch with the Ravens was, has been an incredibly productive pass rusher in the NFL. So, you know, what's your priority? The Ravens need pass rushers. They need offensive linemen. And and the draft is such a big part of what they do. That first round pick is going to loom very large. And I, I think, I don't know. I, I thought when I was listening to the radio today, they had talked about what Harbaugh, someone asked Harbaugh a, a question about, about Ngakwe and, they said something like he said, if he comes back, it's going to be in a, like, he's going to have to accept a different role or something like that. He worded it kind of strange. I've been thinking about why he didn't really get home as much as he had, has gotten home in other defensive systems and, and what that's about. Um, my theory, and this is just kind of like, I'm piecing this together as I go. Um, my theory is that the Ravens are so blitz heavy that that the offensive line of the other team and their their protection packages, all that stuff, they're they're so on their toes and they're so focused on getting rid of the balls quickly and and operating their offense that way against the Ravens that your traditional five step drop, seven step drop, whatever. Um, well, More that happen. doesn't really exist now in the in the NFL these days with the shotgun, but. Um, your traditional pocket passing, you know, two or three seconds of the pocket hardly exists. And, and Gakwe, maybe, maybe that's just not a great fit for him in a system where you need that, that couple of seconds to make, you know, make your moves and, and, and make your chops and, and get across the face of, of linemen and get to the quarterback. I don't know. Like maybe that's why we didn't see much out of him, um, but it's certainly disappointing and he didn't do a lot to um, necessarily make uh, make Baltimore want more um, moving forward from him. So it'll be interesting how they deal with that. I do 
I do really like the way that Tyus Bowser is slowly developed. And I think that he's somebody they could keep um, at an affordable price. Um, and, and he's still relatively young as well. And, uh, you know, Pernell McPhee, when he played, like he was, you know, he was productive and um, it'll be interesting just to see how they, they, they pick and choose which of these guys they keep. Um, it'll probably be at least one or two of them and what combination they might, uh, but it's all, it's all part of a puzzle. It's part, it's part of the same wide receiver question. And this is how it is every year. And um, there were years when, from a cap standpoint, we were much more restricted in terms of what we could potentially do. And, and here there's some wiggle room to kind of pick and choose what we want to do moving forward. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens are going to have to figure out the defensive line in, in, in this, you know, obviously if Judon is a free agent and Gakwe is a free agent, Clay's Campbell's going to be 35. Um, so that, that could end at any time in terms of how productive he is. Darrell is a potential cap casualty because he's, he's like 14, he's got a big contract, but I also think that his, his current salary justifies his stay there. Derek Wolf is a free agent. Um, <clears throat> Tyus Bowser is a free agent. Pernell McPhee is a free agent and Jihad Ward is a free agent. Yep. So that's a lot of guys up front for the Ravens to try to figure out and piece together. Who do you bring back? Who do you feel like stepped up um, in, in the, in, in their first season? Um, do you feel like you liked what you saw from Matabuke? Is that a guy that, that, that takes more snaps? Mm-hmm. And we felt like he was coming on as the season ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of those things where do the Ravens say next man up on the draft. We trusted our evaluation. This is a guy that takes on a bigger role for us. Um, so those, those things are going to be um, key in how the Ravens approach it. Uh, and the, these mock drafts at this point are early and we don't need to talk about these a ton. We'll get to that stuff um, as we head towards, but the popular picks right now for the Ravens are in our interior defensive line, a, de- a defensive pass rusher and an interior offensive lineman, not a wide receiver. I've seen wide receiver nowhere. Um, so you see where the evaluators you know, look at where the Ravens need help and, and interior offensive line is definitely a spot that the Ravens would like to shore up. Um, maybe they like those internal options right now, but we saw those break down a bit um, in this last game. And then the Ravens didn't get home enough. Didn't get home enough. So nope. the, the pass rusher is such a big deal. I'm fascinated to see if in Gakway and Judon hit the open market, what they get. Judon's 29 and Gakway will be 26 when he's a free agent. So I think they're both they're both going to get the bat. You would I mean, think it's, it's going to be fifteen plus. Back. I would think. You would think. You would think. I mean, uh, both of them I think are more attractive than what anyone perceived Zadarius Smith to be at that given point in time. I was going to say, go back and look at like what I'd compare their numbers. Jesus, to... Look at Pernell McPhee seven years ago, whenever he left Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I don't know what year that was, but probably five six years ago. Also. Do you guys have any comment? I don't know if you saw what what former Terp Dominique Foxworth said today. No, I didn't catch Not that. See it. Oh, here we go. I, I get the I get to break this to you. Uh, so on whatever show it is, uh, they were asked what one team should trade for Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> Guess what Dominique Foxworth said? Oh, Dom Foxworth. It seems clear that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. It seems clear that the Browns do not need and necessarily want to have him. And he said that the Ravens should bring him there. Not that he wasn't saying they're going to trade for him, but he was like, if the Ravens want to, you know, improve their passing game, the, the Browns should listen. He's, I, probably, I, he's probably not wrong per se, but 
there's just no planet where that happens. That doesn't just seem- no way. Unless the, the only way is if the Browns cut him, and 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 they'll find a trade partner before they cut him and take and, the hit. And like they asked Harbaugh today, same thing about the his his whole quote about the I don't want to have to recruit guys. I'm not a college coach. He and he had a whole thing where he's like, I don't want to have to convince you to want to play football. I don't want you to have to worry about your stats and how many catches you have. And he was like, I want, you know, he basically said, I'm not a college coach. I don't need to recruit players. If you don't want to be here, I, then he said something like, we look forward to lining up against you on Sunday. And it's like, he's talking. I definitely like literally to Odell Beckham with everything he said. So it, it but again, it was just like, oh, we're already in the, the clickbait uh, part of the off season where it's like, which one team should trade for Odell? With a picture of Lamar. Yeah, we're not even through the conference. Change. I really yeah, – that does – it's so weird that Dominique Fox, who I really like and I think is really smart. Oh, he's, he's really term, good. He's yeah. tremendous. But I, that just feels like a – that feels like a headline grab from him because that just yeah, – it's, it's, in the structure of how things are, I mean, the Browns trading Odell Beckham to the Ravens would be a stunning headline. Like, I would have to check the Adam Schefter Twitter on it 14 times. Arden, sure Arden Schefter or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mel Piper Jr. Mel Piper Jr. <laughs> we were on the same page right there. Uh, so, you know, that that's that's a fascinating <laughs> one. I don't even know if Odell, who's a you know great player, he fits that mold that Harbs was talking about today either. You know, he's a 5'11", get down the field. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. I think brings you more in the middle of the field than someone like Hollywood Brown right now. But, you know, he's not physical in that, in the way that, you maybe talk about a Kenny him and Marlon Humphrey in, a, in the same uh, locker room would be real interesting. That would be a fun, <laughs> we get some fun practice stories out of those guys going back and forth. Yeah. LSU and Alabama right there. Um, so the Ravens obviously have a lot of, of, of things to, to address here. They also have, you know, we're, we're going to have some new position coaches cause they've got position coaches, you know, moving along the different things, which I don't think need to get into too much, but um, I, I, I should say, there have been a lot of morons in my mentions saying that the Ravens should go get a passing game coordinator. They have one. So why don't you call for his head? All right. Anyways, continue. Sorry. No, that's, that's fair. They have a passing game coordinator. So, but you, you keep your two, your offensive, your defensive coordinator. You love that continuity. Um, Which is insane to me that, that wink. And I know we talked about a couple weeks ago, that guy, I I don't get it. I would love for him to be my head coach if, you know, God forbid anything happened to John Harbaugh or something. Like, he would be my next guy up. We, I mean, we were a golf cart behind him at the Jimmy's Golf Tournament this year. Yeah, and he – We literally oh, were man. six feet away from him his, the entire time. He, he is, like, exactly what you imagine he is. Like, he, like that vest with the white uh, sport shirt, like the, the Under Armour, like, uh, impression shirt. Mm-hmm is just such one of the more iconic sideline looks in the game. I would love to have him as a head coach. These, these NFL teams, man, they just don't. Well, get some it. of it's just like a, some of it's just like a flavor of the month thing. When you, when you go through these head coaching searches, it's True, but it is weird. You know, two of the hot candidates that were defensive guys last year were wink and Robert Sala, Robert Sala comes back, right, right. gets a job um, mm-hmm. and, and wink does not. So um, obviously the jets bringing him on. We saw uh, your guy, Arthur Smith from the Titans, um has gone to the Falcons. So some some people moving around. Houston has as totally that may be, I mean, their that's, relationship that's with Deshaun Watson. But um terrible by destination. 
yeah, it's now a terrible decision because you don't know if you're going to have the quarterback. Um, but in terms of the Ravens, it, it's going to be a very interesting off season to watch. And I think we will continue to kind of jump into these, these free agency discussions as we go. Um, so much of that is uncertain based on what happens in the next few weeks of the season. I don't think it's worth, you know, breaking it totally down. We also don't know where the Ravens are going to have from a cap perspective. And I think that will become more clear in the next two or three weeks. Um, but I, there's obviously already been so much discussion about the receiver position. And I think you're not the only Ravens person that's following Allen Robinson on Twitter. Thanks. So <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be seeing. Uh, that made a bigger fuss there's also than, <laughs> me just announcing that I was going to go follow him made a bigger fuss than I thought it would. There's also going to be people there's are fired other, up about him. <laughs> people are fired up about him. They're fired up about just having a number one wide receiver. You know, we had to deal. I had to, we had to deal with. The, I had to deal. We had to deal with the week of the Stefan Diggs. How did the Ravens miss out on him? Stories, which I understand everyone's got to do. That's going to happen, and that's fair. But I that think people should be talking stuff. about. Why didn't we trade for for DeAndre Hopkins last offseason? That's a real yeah. conversation. Yeah. That is a real conversation. And we'll never know. Yeah. We'll never I don't know. want to have that conversation right now. I don't yeah, there's just too much uncertainty to have that conversation. There there's not enough there's no reporting that's been done about That the was Ravens the missed involved. opportunity. But that is definitely a missed opportunity. Uh and Kyler Murray wasted him because they just suck down the stretch and make the playoffs. Oh, that was another offensive mind that people started throwing at me. Like, oh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, like, why can't we get a coach like that? I was like, what are you, dude, what? Are you kidding me? He was garbage in the second half of the season. If Greg Roman paired up with Kyler Murray, like, they would would have a field day. They would have been in the playoffs this year, no doubt. But anyways, the Greg Roman episode folks yeah it really is it really is but Gregor Roman's coming back so uh get used to him yeah get used to him. I think that's that's the moral of the story at this point but that that kind of you know puts to bed Ravens playoff loss a long offseason to come a, a fascinating offseason to come we will have it all covered and uh Banks is going to continue to attack Jabroni's on Twitter he's he's in a mood he's going to come after you so you got to come <laughs> correct I've, I've ignored a lot of people. Bringing Greg like, Roman seriously, I'm responding to maybe 5% of people, and even that is just too much for me. Um, people are exhausting sometimes. It's Ugh. tough. It's tough. We, so we, we do move uh, from the Ravens. Uh, RDT, I always ask you a random Orioles questions e- each week just to keep you on your toes. I never mm-hmm. tell you the topic, and I'm going to continue this week. Uh, uh, prospect rankings, were you happy with them? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's hard not to be. You had you had the five Orioles named to the, the I think the Baseball America top one hundred. Um, you had Grayson Rodriguez named one of the top ten. I think he was seven. I read a list that he was three, and then the next morning he was seven. So I'm either terrible at math or I can't read. It's probably a little of both. Um, but Grayson Rodriguez was number seven on the the right-handed prospects list, and DL Hall was nine. Like this is. I mean, there, there are things to get excited about. Like there, again, the, the prospects are there and it's not just, it's not local media puffing them up, you know, to, 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 to give them something to write about. It's, it's national, national publications talking about how good this farm system is and, and, and that they're in a pretty good place. So again, we're, we're less than a month until pitchers and catchers hopefully report. I know, I know it's, I'm kind of scared because you're just not really hearing anything about spring training or baseball and I'm, well, I'm kind of scared, but it's always a bit of it's always a bit of a baseball problem, isn't it? 
yeah, but it's um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Manfred will do something dumb here in the next couple of days to get the uh, the the juices flowing. But yeah, I'm 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 excited and uh, again, tr- hashtag trust the prospects. No, uh, no sport really quite knows how to not capture a news cycle like uh, Major League Baseball. It's I'm surprised really, they didn't announce anything today, Tuesday, in like the middle of the day. No, I think actually, well, I think yeah, they 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 skipped the inauguration. They're really waiting for Super Bowl media day. I think they're gonna they're gonna jump <laughs> or in. Or hell, just Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> yeah, maybe Super Bowl Sunday. You they'll, know what? They'll, they'll, they'll carry out the Gold Glove winners. Right you know true. what's high time for what they should be bringing back right this time of year, especially. Yeah, it's Super Bowl Media Week, like that two-week lull between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl. Just bring back the goddamn home run challenge. Yep. Do you guys remember this in the late, ni- late 90s and early 00s? They just, like, I think it was like home run derby, but it was you get three outs and you do, like, a seven-inning uh, game pretty much. You just try to hit the most home runs, and they would just pair up in bracket style, like Rafi Palmero versus Jose Canseco, and it was just awesome. Like it's, it's surprisingly hard to find on YouTube. There's a few videos out there, but they need to bring that back in the worst way. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know about that because I I've been waiting for the news in the world baseball classic. So I'm, I'm a little yes. bit upset that you brought up any other potential baseball things besides one of the greatest sports tournaments <laughs> that's ever existed in the world baseball classic. And uh, I've heard no news and I continue to wait for news scheduled March 9th to the 23rd. Uh, and I, I want the U.S. to repeat. So I'm hoping that at some point someone will announce some news about the World Baseball Classic. Maybe Who's this the manager? Maybe of, of the U.S.? Yeah. Probably Eric. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably Jim Leland. Yeah, I mean, he's like 88. Yeah, he'll be like 95. It'll probably be Jack Bobby Va- or something. Probably, probably Bobby <laughs> Valentine this time. I mean, geez, I mean, you know, they can, you know, they can wheel out there Tony LaRussa. Get him out there. Take oh, him out there. Yeah. Somebody's got to wheel him out there because he shouldn't be wheeling himself. How about you click U.S. Baseball <laughs> National Team on Wikipedia, and they've got the roster for the, the 2019 WBSC Premier 12. What the heck is that? With Scott oh, Brugis as the manager. You, the, what is it? WBC. Yeah, the BCS 12. Is that is that, like, is this, is that like after the Little League World Series? Like, what is that? I, baseball is- just has no clue what they're doing. Yeah, no, I don't know. Watch more college baseball, yeah. people. That's got to be. Yeah, that's soon. where you should be doing. That's what you should be doing. Watch more college baseball. And as as the uh, minor leagues just continues to dwindle, which is a whole nother story that we don't have time to go into on this pod. There's going to be a lot less teams. These kids are going to stay in college and go to college. College baseball is just going to keep getting better. It's going to keep getting True. better. It's a great, great point. product. Great product. Uh, as a couple college baseball guys ourselves. So we're good with the prospects. That's that's good to hear. Can't find anything for um, who's the manager though, but I, I'll just we'll, we'll just say it's good. it should be Buck Showalter. I think honestly, that would not be shocking if he was the manager. Of the yeah, I really would. Baseball wouldn't. Classic team that would make a lot. T- He's getting his money from Yes Network. Roll out there for a few weeks, manage the boys. Um, I will say that the Adam Jones Manny Machado moment is easily the world the best All moment time. in the history of the World Baseball Classic because the other great moments involve Stroman and he's annoying. So that uh, great Orioles moment, Jones versus Machado. With the, I remember uh, the coming the home from the bar blitzed that night, blitzed and well, like you're a big you're a big World Baseball Classic guy. Oh my god, dude, that was I was all about it. Uh, As we back, all are, as Americans. Well, even is. like they had those great games against who was it, Dominican Republic, and like oh, yeah. 
There, oh my god, it was so much. In fun. in all it. seriousness, there have been some very good games at the World Baseball Classic. There and some, I like demeaning the World Baseball Classic, but there have been some very very entertaining. The the Mexico game. Canada fight is like an all time baseball fight too. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah. Go on YouTube and look up that fight. That is a fun. fight. The best is when there's guys like pitching for Italy, who. Uh, you know, haven't like thrown a baseball in like five years and are like dealing against Japan and like for like four innings and they get roughed up. That's just, I mean, it's just, it's just good. It's very good. Lightning in a bottle. And then I love the, like, like the guy, my tribe last time, my, my team Israel, they were like the story, Alex Katz. They were like the story of the, that, that first round. Sure. They were great. Dean Kramer. Dean Kramer. How could I forget? Dean Kramer was there. Dean Kramer was there. Maybe you'll be the manager of Team Israel. I could, yeah, we can do that. I could <laughs> that put would in be an tremendous. application. You and Buck Showalter walking out with the line. At least of third base coach. <laughs> yeah, Israel. we could. Yeah, we'll um, we'll we'll get that going. We'll we'll put that out there. You should yeah. you should uh, get a word into Dean to see if you can get an application for that. Who was their manager last time? Anybody notable? Um, my cousin, something Goldstein. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll do some research, but uh, yeah, let me uh. No, you know, who was it? Oh, Peter Kurz. No idea. <laughs> right now, their manager is the manager is apparently Eric Holtz. Ah, close. Hmm. <laughs> Let's get Sean Green oh, out there. Man. Didn't Sean Green play for the team last time at like 40? Or was that Probably. somebody else? I don't know. That, oh, we but like, we are team in World Baseball Classic talk here. <laughs> you were talking about that. Like, the best part is like Zach Britton pitching for Puerto Rico. And they were like, yeah, his mom was like half Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah. And no one <laughs> knew. It was like, what? There's some wild stuff going on there. There's I remember I was gonna be a big there. um I was gonna be a big team is um Israel already team Italy guy because Trey said he was he wanted to play for Team Italy if he got selected. Jason Mark Jason Marquis was pitching for the, for at 38. I wow, love what a name! I love the World Baseball Classic. Scott Feldman, Sam <laughs> Fold, guys just not in organizations. It's just so just a tremendous tournament. Oh man, I can't wait for it when it comes back. Dean Kramer, 21 years old for the last World Baseball Classic, and now he's going to be leading the Orioles to playoff wins this year. Stud. So we'll, we'll, we'll continue to have that going. Uh, Nick Kaner Medley, Maryland Person of the Week. RDT. Mm. I will start, and this one is pretty easy, and, of course, it, it ties back to, to the podcast. Our buddy Johnny from Jimmy's. Um, for running this help save Baltimore restaurants and bars, GoFundMe, which let me refresh this as of 11.02 on Wednesday night has raised $170,695, which incredible. is insane. And that's including um, 10,000 from Marlon Humphrey. I think 10,000 from Ronnie Stanley, um, Wink Martindale, 2,500. The, the, the DaCostas keep donating. They're like donating <laughs> five hundred and then like a thousand and and like their names are just popping up on this list. I can't wait um, for the first Ravens fans like save that money for free agency. Can't believe you didn't restart the wall. <laughs> yeah, like and I, I, a couple other um, Ravens players and and just people in the organization have donated. Um, and again, it's all going to yeah. Baltimore. Marcus it's not like Lamanis it's not going still. to Jimmy's. It's going to the Baltimore restaurants, and it's kind of crazy because I think Johnny legitimately bullied. Brandon Scott in opening the the, the restaurant yeah. bars and yeah. restaurants it's pretty wild so much steam behind it. this thing and yeah and, and uh, yeah. I mean it's just great because like I said we've had Johnny on the show they they sponsor us um it's it's the food is the best I I want to say probably fifty percent of the entries that we get for the 
for the Be There for Be More campaign are Jimmy's Seafood. Um, and it's just, I mean, he's the mouthpiece of the city. I, I told him, I texted him the other day and I said, when you run for mayor, like when you win mayor, can I have like, can I sleep in Camden Yards? Like, <laughs> you get that, that like key. Um, and again, because I mean, the shit that he's doing, is, it's just unbelievable. And, and I mean, 178,000. In, in a little over two days is, is unbelievable. And they've, he, the, he took a page from Dave Portnoy's book doing the, the he's been having um, Zeus and Jacoby Jones and who else did DaCosta is calling DaCosta's. these restaurants to get, to let the restaurants know they're getting 20,000, they're getting 10,000. And the, the, again, like if you've been watching the Barstool Fun stuff, um, the videos are great. And, and there, there's some really good videos. And again, it, just some like feel good stuff. So shout out to Johnny. Not that, you know, I mean, I don't want to get his head too big. We tell him that all the time, but stuff like this is pretty awesome. And, and even for the people that don't, don't like him and don't like the, the restaurant and them getting into the mud with people, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, you got to be a miserable person to, uh, to turn your nose up at something like this. For sure. Yeah. It's awesome. Thanks. My turn. Um, I'm actually going to bump down what I I was going to pick because we, I just can't do two charitable things in a row. Um, so I'm going to slide that one down to honorable mention. I'm going to bump one up and uh, I'm going to go with Earl Weaver uh, just because, you know, the anniversary of his passing seven years ago uh, was this week and, and our social media team plucked a video, his most infamous video, him arguing with the umpire and just, getting into getting absolutely into it with them and, and telling them that he's here for one reason only, you know, to fuck us good. And it's just, it's just an all time rant. And it, it, it sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, about her, who Earl Weaver was. So I'll give a couple of uh, things that I discovered. And then I'll tell you a little bit story that I actually have with Earl Weaver. Um, first thing I learned was that not only was he ejected like 80 or 90 times, which was a record at the time, I think Bobby Cox eventually broke it, but um he was ejected from both games of a doubleheader on three separate occasions, which is just, I mean, he, you, you have to imagine what he came out in the second game and just, he, he must not have lasted more than 30 seconds. He must've come out and just been like, yeah, you fucking threw me out of the first one. Well, send me, you know, whatever. He probably just came out there with, you know, that, that little attitude of what was he all five foot four or whatever he was um with that raspy voice just an absolute legend he also had like a little bit like a pocket like sewn into his jersey that he kept cigarettes in um that's something that he's pretty infamous known for um another thing he had a computer game in 1987 that came out that actually like it was like a video game that he he provided the artificial intelligence for um it was very ahead of its time and apparently it was actually produced by electronic arts ea sports and it was was really their first foray into the sports realm. And it, it, it more or less served to inspire them to eventually team up with John Madden. So Madden NFL football, you know, one of the most iconic, you know, video game brands of all time might not be around if it weren't for Earl Weaver. Um, lastly, a little bit of a story. I was actually up in, in Cooperstown, New York for a baseball tournament when I was 10 years old. And uh, it was Hall of Fame induction week. It was Ozzie Smith was getting inducted that week. And I was with my dad in a, in a, in a card shop in, in like downtown Cooperstown and just walking around. And he's like, Brian, Brian, there's that's Earl Weaver. Like go up and, and, and we <laughs> this, this being the nerd that I was at the time, I like collected cards and I made a binder 
of every Hall of Famer of any card I had of them so that anywhere I went during that week, I had at the ready something to get autographed by that given Hall of Famer. And so I go up to Earl Weaver and I'm like, hey, Earl, like we're from Baltimore, like whatever, like, hey, like pleasure to meet you. Can you sign my card? And he just like looks looks at me and he just says like, ah, ah, piss off, kid. And he walks out down the aisle and leaves the aisle. Um, and I guess he just kind of does a lap around the aisle. And then like two or three minutes later, like I'm just like in the store and I'm like a little bit disappointed. Like, what the hell was that? And my dad was laughing because he's like, it's Earl Weaver. Like that in itself, getting being a, a kid and being told to piss off by Earl Weaver is a story in itself. So my dad, I think, is just like kind of loving it. And I'm like a little bit like don't even know what to do with my hands. And two or three minutes later, I guess Earl's just doing a lap around the store. And he comes back and he's just like, I'm just kidding, kid. Here you go. And he uh, takes my card and signs it. So Earl Weaver, sense of humor, great guy, Baltimore legend. Your dad was probably hoping that he like would bop you in the nose. Like, yeah. what, what did he tell the umpire? Like, I'm a, I'll, you, you touch me again, again I'll suck no, you in the nose. I'll knock you right in your nose. <laughs> That's what he, the best, again, and that video is an all-timer, the umpire doing the little hop, skip, and boom. It's a good After boom. he ejects him is perfect. It's a good boom. Do you actually know like why he was mic'd up? Um, oh, I've read this, he, but I forget. He was doing some sort of documentary for like what – what life of a life of an umpire life of an mlb umpire like somebody was just producing a documentary and he agreed to be mic'd up for it they had so, to know like, i don't know who knew who was who was mic'd up or whatever but like whether there's a degree of like um contrivedness or whatever like it doesn't come through at all it all comes mm-hmm. through like so genuine whatever so it's just i imagine that that every single one of ejections all the ejections with Earl Weaver went just like that. And the, the best was because it was the second batter of the game. And yeah. like, it was all over a Mike Flanagan balk. And like, I, and I, cause I think I read an article about that whole game and all that. And like Paul, you could see Palmer walk or not Palmer. You could see um, Weaver walk back to the mound and Flanagan said, he like asked him, did you balk? And Flanagan was like, yeah, yeah. I like I balked. And so it was like, he just, he just had this whole three minute tirade talking about how like he was nuts and he was terrible at his job and he was only there to fuck him. Oh, there was, there was some whole thing that the, the umpire and Earl Weaver had a beef because like years ago, years before this happened, um, apparently this umpire's like son-in-law was the backup catcher for the Tigers or something. And Earl made some comments in the media or something about like, that being a conflict of interest or something like that. And I don't know that there was any actual like incident or anything that, that Earl was pointing towards. I think he just said that that's fucked up. And he, (laughs) and I think this umpire just always had it out for, and they just had tension the whole time. And so whatever, you know, he had the opportunity to get himself run and he did. (laughs) So my, uh, person of the week and if i'm gonna warn our listeners if you don't want to hear something that has nothing to do with sports i would kick this down the road about two and a half three minutes but i have got a comment on i've got a comment on this in a public forum here my person of the week nick intermedley maryland person of the week 
is the holder of the number one song in the world right now. Her name is Olivia Rodrigo. Now, if you've never heard of Olivia Rodrigo and you listen to this show, that's not shocking considering this is very much a Gen Z story. So for all our Gen Z listeners, welcome to the party here. Her song is called Driver's License. Driver's License is currently the biggest song in the world. It just broke a bunch of Spotify streaming records. It broke a bunch of Apple Music records. She is the youngest person to ever debut at number one with her first single on the Billboard Hot 100. All of these records being broken of like really big people, Taylor Swift, Michael Jackson, all these different people. This song I cannot turn off. It is an unbelievable song and is the epitome of what people are now calling bedroom pop, which our girl, Taylor Swift, sort of epitomized with like, no one can leave their houses right now. We'll do like lower fine music. And this is what now people want to listen to. This girl, Olivia Rodrigo, started a Disney Plus show a year ago, a show that I watched that. I said to people that I know, I thought she was going to be a star. She has now become a star. So I have very big personal investment in this. So this is really just you're, you're patting yourself. This is back. really <laughs> me coming back. <laughs> you're the, to you're say, your Nick what a talent spotter I am to see <laughs> that this girl was going to be a big star. This is also a very good song. Is this your Maren Morris? This is my Maren Morris. <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. I was in on Olivia Rodrigo. Before the rest of the world, a year ago, when she was on Disney Plus, I was like, I wonder if she's she was in acting. I wonder if she's going to have it was a musical thing. I wonder if she's going to have high school musical, the musical, the series, to be more specific. I wonder if she's going to have a singing career. And here she is with the number one song in the world. This song is awesome. And she loves Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift gave her her blessing. So it comes around also to our collective love, thanks, of Taylor Swift. So shout out to Olivia Rodrigo, shout out to Driver's License, which has might be the song of 2021, and we are three weeks into 2021 uh, from a pop or popular music uh, perspective here, which is something I uh, have a lot of interest in. So uh, that's my person of the week because Driver's License, which is a kind of a heartbreaker of a song, there's also a lot of drama around it. Did she write it about her co-star? On the Ooh, Disney Plus show, High School Musical, there's Josh Bassett, awesome. who's now dating another older Disney star, Sabrina no. Carpenter. And in the lyric of the song, <laughs> she says, "I, I, if you're with that blonde girl who's older than me, that would could refer to Sabrina Carpenter. This is some good old school in the vein of like the Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus, Joe, like that type of drama. This is where we are. You know, Zac Efron, Vanessa Hudgens. This is where we are here, you know, 10 <laughs> years later than that. And I'm all in. So shout out to Olivia. Screw you, Josh Bassett. Screw <laughs> you, Sabrina Carpenter. Don't break Olivia's heart. But like Taylor Swift, if it creates music like this, eh, maybe keep breaking her heart because it's a damn good song. So, so are we an anti-Josh Bassett podcast? That's the question. I, I do think the kid's pretty talented. He's also <laughs> in that show. I have no idea. I have a spine. Is. Have a take. Stand behind a take here, Tim. Wait, 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 wait. You didn't let me finish. But yes, because we're Team Olivia. Screw Sabrina. Screw Josh. Olivia. Team Olivia. What are you doing here? We're Team Olivia. What is so this? There you go. That's why I said kick it down the road three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to hear that? I, I, it's, now, it's now ending right here. 
I know listeners don't care, but this is our show. We can name whoever we want as the person of the week. And she has affected my week with this song maybe more than anybody else besides the Ravens losing. Uh, and we talk about the Ravens for 50 minutes a show. So we didn't I, need to, I, I need loved to how like Eric and I, well, mostly me, but we went, we riffed a bit on this Earl Weaver thing and we were very engaged <laughs> and you were like staring out in the distance. It didn't look like you were listening what's, whatsoever. I was. Because I, I could tell you were deep in contemplation and you were clearly just organizing your thoughts to go on this like that's I wanted to try this to, I wanted to try to God. educate the listeners the best I could on something that is I mean it's the number one song in the country yeah. so yeah. it's not like it's not a big deal and I talk about many things that are only a big deal to me he didn't even respond to my Earl Weaver story to finish and he just started <laughs> talking about it it was person. time it was time it was time <laughs> person of the week Olivia Rodrigo does anyone will, have any honorable mentions? I, I have one, but I, I was going to say too, I've seen the, 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 the song on TikTok, but I haven't yes, heard it. never heard uh, the song. And I'm like, I literally asked my wife the other day, I was like, have you heard this driver's license song? And she was like, I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't listened to it. So I'm going to, I'm going to do some research on it later. It is being compared to a cross between Taylor Swift and Lord. If that, Ring, if that makes anybody excited, let me tell you. No, because I Lord has the 2014 Royals vibe, and and that's I can never get over that. You go down in the tennis court. You didn't like tennis court? I don't even know what that means. We might <laughs> have that a question. We'll do a music show later in the year. We'll just talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay talk about tuned mine. for the Oscar for the yeah, Grammys. Stay, stay tuned. Yeah, well, stay tuned for the Grammys instant analysis. That's in a few oh, weeks. Oh goddamn it! Uh, I think, <laughs> and I'll go on record. I think I think uh, award show Twitter is worse than Bachelor Twitter. Bachelor Bachelorette Twitter. Oh man! I, I, yeah, that's 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 my stance, and I'm I'm sticking to it. Who's your honorable mention? My honorable mention is my buddy. And I've talked about it before. Uh, my buddy, Ben Jessup, who today, what is it, Wednesday, uh, went to a card shop, opened up a pack of cards. He pulled a Zion Williamson card that sold last week for $20,000. That doesn't suck. Dude, so we have been all day scouring eBay. He wants to drive this card to New Jersey to get it looked at by the PSA professional graders. This is like a, this is a, 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 a an insane card that he pulled and, me and all my friends have been freaking out about it all day. So that I is thought, very cool. Like, That's like we, sweet. it was. I mean, it was nuts. And again, it's it's basically a lottery ticket. But yeah, shout out Ben. 20 k Zion. Bang! That's pretty sweet. Um, as I mentioned before, I have an honorable mention that would was maybe going to be my my top guy. But I also like felt a bit apprehensive because it's very against my nature to to do something like this. But I think it has to be mentioned what Bill's Mafia did for Bradley Bozeman and for Lamar Jackson and for all the, the Baltimore charities. I know some people looked at it as like, wow, this is really patronizing or this is like, wow, we lost a game and now like these guys are clowning us by donating to our charities. Like that's a terrible way to look at it. They, if they're supporting things that we care about down here in Baltimore and things that our players care about, especially after Lamar Jackson suffered a tough injury there, um, you know, who, why ever turn your nose up at something like that? I, and, and, and what other fan base does something like that? That's just like, yeah, it's such a cool thing that, that um, I think some people read it and like almost tried to make it sound like that's a normal thing that people, that fan bases do. And that's not at all the truth. You really only see Bill's mafia do it. They may have done it in 2017 at our demise with, with Andy Dalton and what, what, you know, he accomplished for their sake to get them in the playoffs that year. Um, but 
you know, to see the favor returned to some degree and um, was, was a really cool thing. So um, shout out to Bill's mafia um, shout out to, to what their whole vibe. I hated that we lost to them obviously, but of all the teams that are left in the, in the tournament, I'm pulling for the bills and pulling for my guy, Stefan Diggs. Yep. Um, and I, I, I encourage everyone to do the same. Yeah. Go Steph go, especially if you're a former Terp. Why seeing him win the, uh, win the whole thing would be, uh, would be very, very cool. Uh, my, I have two quick honorable mentions. Uh, first is going to be Mark Ingram, um, who was mm-hmm. obviously released and we touched on that. I think really made an impact on the franchise in his time in Baltimore. I almost made him my, my person of the week, but you know, Olivia Rodrigo, but uh, you know, and I thought the way he's handled losing his role was as, as class as it gets. And then how he treated the organization on the way out that, that that's one that could have ended poorly. Uh, yeah. with a different guy. And I, I don't think you could have handled it as well. And I think he will be a guy that is remembered in Baltimore for a long time. And a guy that if he ever came back to the city, ever appeared at a game at MT bank, when he's retired, will get a rousing standing ovation. Yeah. Um, only two years, surprise. And, and only here two say. years, a year and a uh, half almost, but really. an incre- in the vein yeah. of like a Steve Smith senior a guy that just came and was a, a consummate pro and played the way Ravens fans like guys to play. And, the way I just think the way he handled that there's so many guys that would have pouted so many guys that would have complained publicly. And I love that he, he, you know, and I'm sure our, our former guest Cassie loved this when he quote tweeted their video and said, Hey, the, the best content team. Kay, can you send me this video? Like that's just stuff that you can tell how much he cared about, not just the higher ups and the coaches, but a lot of the people in that organization that don't get a lot of front facing time. Really, really cool. Shout out to him um, for, for how he handled that. And I wasn't going to put this in, but after you maligned Bachelor Twitter, oh, Eric, God. as someone that watches The Bachelor, uh, <laughs> no. an honorable mention to Matt James for bringing honor back to Bachelor. Uh, a good guy. Sorry. How, how long after he picks the final girl did they announce they're breaking up? Yeah, that happened this week. They, they that actually – Probably like it, three to six months. It happened. Actually I mean, it's literally me. every single – it's every single season. It's it's yeah, post bachelor breakup Twitter that I hate the most. That everyone's oh, like, "What do you mean? Oh what my god, who could, have, who could have seen that coming?" Like everybody with the same fucking joke over and over. It was nauseating yesterday. Nauseating. Yeah, it was. It's we terrible. may we may at some point on this on this podcast feed as we go through, and who knows where this will continue to go. We may just do a podcast where I bring up pop culture events that I'm interested in, and have you guys shit on those pop culture <laughs> events. That might be that might be a pod we at some point go into. It's like it, uh, uh, Taylor, did you enjoy the uh, the the latest Bridgerton episode on Netflix? And then you guys can just <laughs> hammer that for for for. Uh, for an hour that that I think could be entertaining stuff, but has nothing to do with Baltimore sports. Uh, so we digress. Uh, any finality you want to have to the list banks after the end of the Ravens wow, season? I didn't, I didn't foresee this coming. Um, there wow. might not be any, we might, that might come back for the, the list next lives season. On. I didn't know if you had anything. I mean, the list lives on. I still believe in my guy. I still believe that he's capable of, of great things. We saw it in 2019. I think that he can get back to that level and, and beyond, he needs some help with some other guys. Um, something that we haven't mentioned uh, at all in this podcast, but we maybe we did mid-season was I feel like losing Hayden Hurst was tough. And if they can add another tight end, another guy who can run the seam routes opposite side of Mark Andrews, that could be a real effective weapon for the for the uh, passing game. Um, and we'll see what they do about 
changing, you know, and improving the passing concept concepts. Cause I know I just shit on everybody who is shitting on Greg Roman, but I don't want anybody to mistake that for me, not seeing that there's some serious problems there to address. So um, from a concept and a scheme standpoint, um, we're going to, we're going to get Lamar the help he needs and we're going to, we're going to relive. And uh, we're gonna, I mean, we'll, I'll, I'll be adding to the list in the off season, you know, we'll see how people kind of digest this loss um, in the long run in terms of the next eight months. And then uh, we'll be ready to go week one. The list will be there. And then RDT, I, we pretty much have gone over our two mailbag questions this week. You want to just shout out our mailbag, uh, our questions that they put in? Because we pretty much talked about that and we'll continue to talk about the questions they said. Yeah, let, let me pull up. Sorry, of course I exited out. It was Max Wilson who had asked about um, notable, guys, notable guys that the Ravens could lose in the offseason. And again, I think, it, I mean, th- those points have kind of been hammered home. It's Judon, it's, it's Yannick, it's, it's a couple of those other guys. Um, and then Matthew Jones who also said some of the top priorities for the Ravens agree or disagree. Sure up the O-line, sign the number one receiver. He literally listed Allen Robinson and Godwin Galladay. Um, work on Lamar's throwing mechanisms. Um, address the pass rush. So, again, things I think that we pretty much all covered. Um, yeah, and I think the, the Lamar individual improvement is just something that is a personal thing for him year in and year out, and I don't think is really worth a ton of conjecture because he's just – I think we've seen that improvement happen each year he's been in the league. So I, I would imagine he will continue to get better. And I think one thing we, we don't have to touch on now, but the Gus Edwards thing, it'll be interesting to see how the Ravens address that. Do they give Gus Edwards a couple year contract to bring him back? Do they go find a similar player? Um, Cause I know that's on, that's on uh, Matthew's question here as well is mm-hmm. the Gus Edwards question. And that's really the one thing we didn't get to. I think all of those things are obvious priorities that he, that he listed and, and listed very well. But um the Gus Edwards one is interesting. You know, I think JK Dobbins is going to be the guy. Um, and then who do the Ravens add after that? Cause you lose Ingram probably bring back justice Hill. And then you kind of go from there with, with, with the Gus bus. I would love to see the Gus bus back. I really like the Gus yep. bus. Me too. And he, he's been a very good Raven. So, uh, but there's going to be some churn in that room as well. I, I, the Ravens have, have questions to answer. There's a, there is no doubt about that. Uh, to the listeners, continue to send in receipts for the Be There for Be More campaign and make sure to go donate, um, as, as Eric talked about, to, to Jimmy Seafood and, and, and Johnny and all the stuff those guys are doing. That, that As you said, Eric, just to harp on what you said, uh, just an amazing campaign that they've put together in, in a matter of days to raise money um, for, for all these different restaurants. And I'd like to hope we have played a small part in helping some of those places out too, not to this level, but as we've always said in this, anything that you can get for these places counts and helps. Um, and, and we've seen that over, over, uh, over the last couple of weeks. So people helping people is pretty cool. Can we also, um, we, we had done a segment last week or the week before we kind of work in progress here starting five. And I think that we had wanted to maybe do one here, tonight but we we didn't really have our ducks in a row in terms of topics but um if people want to suggest topics for that um, yes we're going to be brainstorming them ourselves but um we we're going to be creative about what we want to do on this podcast um particularly in these next two months or so before Orioles season sets in but these are segments that we want to add to the show uh, moving forward you know full time so um we're gonna have some fun with this podcast yeah send us in that stuff as well send us you know, what you would like to hear from us. And, and if you feel like you want to see, we're, we're kicking some ideas around. If you want to see more, uh, 
written content from our two, my two blogger friends here, RDT and, and Banks. They might be outside of their current uh, written uh, assignments. Let us know because uh, we, we, we might be we might be chatting some some stuff about that um, to see if we can do more for for the listeners. So great, great point there, Banks. Get that stuff in and continue to send mailbag questions because we've now got all the time in the world to answer your mailbag questions with our sort of weekly rhythm uh, gone with it with the Ravens season ending. And we'll, 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 we'll chat everything Ravens as it comes up and there certainly will be things, but we will start to move into Orioles season and have those guests um, as well. So love the support as we, as we talked about on Sunday and we, we went into it a ton, so don't need to, but love the support during Ravens season. We want to continue that and we will, you know, talk caps and wizards if either of those two teams ever play. The wizards uh, just got their their game canceled again, so they, yeah, they may never play yeah. again. And then the caps just got fined a hundred thousand dollars for COVID. So I don't know what it is about these DMV teams, but you know, if you're unless you're a Baltimore person that doesn't consider a part of the DMV, where I'm not getting into that discussion, mm-hmm. but we cannot keep COVID under control, unfortunately. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the wizards play, but. They don't, they don't seem to, to have a, a, the ability to. Uh, but thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, thank you to everyone that listened to the instant analysis. Thank you to everyone that gave Banks mental support when he was on Twitter at 3 in the morning um, <laughs> editing our podcast uh, and continuing to support all of our stuff on social media. As I said, make sure to support the Be There for Be More campaign. We are still giving things away. RDT is continuing to clear out the prizes at his house. Uh, and we'll just keep going on that uh, as the as the as the pandemic continues, and as we have prizes, we'll keep doing it when the pandemic's over. If people keep giving us things to give away, anything to get people out to the local establishments, you can have Chipotle whenever you want. You can have Domino's whenever you want, and I love Domino's. But go uh, go to these other places um, and and make sure to continue uh, to support your local establishments, like Jimmy Seafood, the proud sponsor of this podcast. Thanks to RDT and Banks. I'm Taylor Smythe. We will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast.